What's up, Conroe? Welcome to a brand new edition of Nerd Thug Radio, right here on 104.5, 106.1, the sister stations, and we're streaming worldwide at IRLoneStar.com. As always, make sure to check out the Facebook page, facebook.com backslash Nerd Thug Radio. That's where all the magic is happening. And as always, we are uh, getting into the season, the spirit of holidays and all of that. It's Halloween, and we are, we're doing a Halloween edition of Nerd Thug Radio. Uh, Nico, coming to you from Anchor. How you doing, buddy? Ah, it's spooky. Wow, look out. <laughs> that's, it. that's all I got. That's it. That's it. That's the spirit, though. Uh, you know, it's candy corn and terrible scares. That's Halloween. Uh, you know what that means? Does this mean that M&Ms can bring back their candy corn M&Ms? Dude, I have been stalking the aisles of every gas station I go to, and so far now. Well, ain't this a national tragedy? I actually had a moment of phantom anger at you because I remembered you bought two giant bags of it and said one was for me and then never gave it to me. Could have sworn I gave that to you. You did not. One got eaten at your grandma's and one got eaten at your house. Hmm. Either way, they were delicious and you didn't get any. (laughs) I think you designated one was for me and then it got as far as your grandma's house and never made it the rest of the way. That might be what happened. It, it feels very much like what happened. <laughs> Did I say might be? I'm just going to say that's what happened. That sounds true enough. We can roll with that. Uh, <laughs> I definitely got like super. You were like, oh, I found two giant pads. I bought you one. And I was like, what? For those who don't remember, uh, M&M's, who apparently will just make anything, they made a candy corn M&M. Uh, three years ago now? Two years ago? I want to say it's been like seven years. It's like a decade ago. We were coming back from Louisiana, so at least three years ago. Right. And um, I had never tried, I had never had a candy that was so good. There had never been a candy that was as good as this candy. M&M, candy corns, holy smokes. Okay? I, I can't even, like, just... Holy smokes. It was the happiest I'd ever been my whole life. We were so we were so interested because it was literally at this random gas station on the way from Louisiana to Texas. Yeah, it's just some weird spot we stopped in. We weren't even at like a Bucky's where they have everything. Like we're just in then somewhere Texas on our way back and uh Eminem candy corn and Holy smokes. Lives were changed forever. I I haven't seen them since that day. <laughs> I have I mean, other than the giant packages you bought, you mean. Yeah, no, I haven't I haven't seen them since that day. Yeah. Oh, okay. Thanks, traitor. Well <laughs> Oh wait, that's not true. I saw them one other time at a target. Really? But that was that was years ago. Oh. <laughs> I was like, I'll go to Target right now. Uh, are they open? I mean, probably, but I don't know. I'll camp out outside of the Target. You're sitting there like... <laughs> I don't even like Target, Target, but I will I will give them my money for candy corn M&M's. Oh, man. I'm in such a good food mood. I had some sushi today. Just hung out. Went and... There's a little sushi place by my house, right? Yeah. So I so I watched some evening football, some playoff baseball, had some sushi. It was a, it was a good little evening. Dream. 
really is. Like, short of just having some scantily clad model feed it to me, this is the dream. <laughs> like, we're at, like, 70% dream completion. 70%, you say? 70%. That's reasonable. Yeah. Respectable. Yeah, like, listen, I could be happy without the model. See, 70%. Like, it's a passing grade. Yeah, I see it. <laughs> I'm not greedy. <laughs> I mean, you know, if you're listening, models. Hit me up. But, you know, otherwise. Uh, but other than that. <laughs> that's got to be the most obnoxious. Do you think if you were a model, you just wouldn't tell people because you would be tired of people always hitting on you? Uh, like, I gotta think it comes, like, with part of part of the job is that you're gonna get weirdos that are gonna hit on you. Right, but they only want to date you, like, because you're a model. Like, it's not like you said something funny in line at the Starbucks, and they were like, oh, hey, uh, my name's Dave. It's, it's like they said, oh, I'm sorry, did you say you were a model? Do you want to go out sometime? I don't know. Maybe that's just a famous person thing. I mean, it happens to me all the time, you know, it's, it's hard out there, like... Rough. All right, it's hard out here for a gangster. It's rough, you know. It's you never know who loves me for me and, and isn't just trying to use me for my nerd thug money. All like eight of it, eight whole dollars, people. Eight whole dollars. Didn't round down today. Um, bringing home the big bucks. Woo. Um. <laughs> I, <laughs> just, so uh, last night I was watching. I was rewatching the Burt Kreischer, um, stand-up comedian. He did a special this year on Netflix, mm-hmm. uh, and he's funny because he tells really funny stories and doesn't necessarily finish. Uh, like he doesn't do jokes. He tells stories, but then when he gets to the funny part of the story, he basically stop, like moves on to another story. Like one story segues to another, to another, to another. And at one part, he's talking. He's talking about like <laughs> how how like contagious being dumb is sometimes and he was talking about how his dad uh bought some land and they're out there on the lake and he's at the edge of the pier and his mom is like listen your dad talks to the owl in the in the neighborhood and so the dad's on the edge of the pier calling out like hooting like who mm-hmm. and after a few minutes the who responds like you hear in the distance who and so, like, they start to get more and more, like, involved. The, uh, the, the who's start, like, it sounds like they're having a whole conversation. So, Bert Kreischer gets excited for a second. And then his daughter's tugging on his shirt and tugging on his shirt and going, Dad, Dad. Well, he's like, what? The owls are talking. What? And he goes, he goes, there's a man across the lake on another pier. And he looks down and it's just two old men yelling who at each other. <laughs> he goes he goes it was just two Ric Flair's lost in the woods hooing <laughs> to one another so they were speaking to nature <laughs> woo <laughs> just made me think of it all of that anyway um <laughs> well that was the most tangential story I think I've ever the second I went woo I immediately was I was rewatching a Burt Kreischer in my head um <laughs> oh man so it's uh halloween's coming up we're a couple weeks away it is monday the 19th which means you've got 11 days to find someone to bring to the party and a costume to wear 
And if you're a girl, you've got 11 days to fit back into slutty nurse costume from last year that you meant to wear again this year at the different party. Gotcha. It's 11 days. Just 11 days. Man, it feels like October is just like nothing gets way past my entire life and I'm just not ready for it. Wait, are there 31 days on October? So are there, you have 12, good news people, 12 days. Oh, you're just bad at math. Yeah, I didn't realize there were 31 days. Yeah, and October 31st is uh, Saturday this year, so it's an actual good day to have a party. Oh, I see. Everyone I know is married and has children, so I'll be home at nine. Mm. <laughs> All of my friends are old now. That's a country song, I think. Uh huh. All your friends are old. <laughs> um. So we'll do some little bit of pop culture news, and then we'll see what kind of scary stuff we get into, and then we're going to cap the episode off with some interviews that we took at a Bigfoot conference two years ago. Uh, we interviewed an actual quote-unquote monster hunter by the name of Lyle Blackburn. Then we also interviewed a guy who organized and runs the uh, whole Bigfoot convention here in Conroe. And then also uh, a writer who's like a cryptozoologist, like he investigates odd animals. Odd animal sight. What a cool I guy. I should call him. Um... So, a little interesting news came out. Recently, Bethesda was bought by Microsoft. Oh, yeah, that's where the jokes were coming from. They were like, oh, back at it again with the putting them back together. Well, it kind of reminds me, like, if Microsoft can't make good games, they'll just buy good gaming companies. Which, you know, I'm all for it. That's fine with me. If you're bad at something, buy someone who's good at it. Pivot, right? Like, find a way to, get, like, if you can't do it, find a way to get it done. I don't have a problem with that. Um, the question was asked at, I don't know, there's some event going on. And anyway, the head of basically like the Microsoft, like, gaming people are there. And the question was asked, like, essentially, does everything Bethesda make need to be multi platform in order to cover the or $6.8 billion acquisition costs. So, like, Mm. to make your money back off of buying Bethesda, do you basically need to make sure everyone on the planet can play the game? Uh, He gave a really interesting answer. I think it's it's a valid one. I'm going to paraphrase it here, but he started it off with the caveat of saying, I understand what you're asking. I'm not saying that games like Assassin's Creed won't be available for everyone to play. But he then said, uh, however, there's plenty of opportunities in the Microsoft family that we don't necessarily need to make titles available to everyone for them to be pl- for them to make money. Right. Which is true. Like between Steam and Microsoft and PC and Xbox and like there's 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 ninety different ways to buy and play these games. He's not wrong. Right. And making them They've kind of moved towards that platform anyways of like the PC Xbox are kind of like the, you, you should kind of share a library between the two. Yeah, their libraries are a lot more uh, if you were doing Cohesive. What's, the, what's the Venn diagrams? 
if you were doing a Venn diagram, yeah. Xbox and PC would be very overlapping. Well, they, they I'm thinking of the same saying, like they I don't know if they're still on track to do this, but they're saying like they're basically getting rid of like Xbox exclusives and moving them everything to the Microsoft store, which is I think shared between the two. So like you could play a game on PC and also play it on your Xbox. Right, which I don't think is a bad idea. I mean I don't I mean I think I think it's a really smart idea because it means that you can you can easily pivot one way or the other or you can move people from Xbox to PC without it being super jarring. Yeah, I just don't think people are gonna do that. Like I don't think there's I've known a, I've known a lot of people that have done that. But you gotta you, so there's two things. First of all, you're still you're very young, so like a lot of the people you know are still forming their buying habits. I mean, yeah, so that's like, they're true. not I mean, necessarily that's, that's a... system or PC players yet. Like when you're 17, you you basically you play whatever's in your house, and then as you get older, you start mm-hmm. buying whatever you want. Then you start developing your own habits. Um. Oh man, my dad young. I'm 22. Right. What I'm saying is, like, over the last few years, your wealth of experience in this category of who are these gamers? They're just now figuring out who they are. Um, that's they, they're you know they might buy an Xbox tomorrow and be like, oh, I'm never going back, or they might buy a PC tomorrow and be like, you know what? Like, if you overclock this, this is the greatest experience ever. And then they and then that's it. They're done. Um, so like they can still change their mind at that point. Most people, I think, once you're 24, 25, 26, you kind of know what you are. Like, I'm either building PCs and, and playing games, or I'm buying PlayStations because I don't have time to build PCs and mess around with all that. You know what I mean? So, like, I don't know that there's a ton of crossover between the two. Yeah, that's true. Um, I think there is when you're a little bit younger. I do agree with that. And I think, but, but I think once you form your buying habit, I think that is, I think that is who you are. Yeah, that's just what you're going to take with you. That makes sense. Um, and I think that that's, I think that's where, I think that's why they're doing both because they they want their games to be available for both, not not for ease of moving people over, just to hit two libraries at once. Mm-hmm. You know, just to give them access to two groups of people at the same time. Whereas the PlayStation doesn't have another pivot point. Right. It's not like there's Sony PCs. Right, thank God. There used to be Sony like laptops and stuff, and there might still be on the market. I, I don't know. Um, but they like they would sell you on like their great audio quality. Well, I mean, they make speakers and headphones. Like, that makes <laughs> right. sense. But, but I'm not buying a laptop because it sounds great. Like, <laughs> nor do nor do laptops ever sound great. When's the last time you're like? Dang, this is laptop speaker really Probably killing last time it. Someone bought a Sony. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I'm just like, no one's getting out of bed for like the sound quality on the laptop. Like, no one's like, you know what I really need on my laptop is banging speakers. What are you, a DJ at a dive bar? Like, get out of here. Like, what are you doing? Not even. You don't even need the speakers then. You just plug in your MP3 player. <laughs> the same job. I once uh, was good buddies with the DJ who literally did everything from his phone while he sat at the bar. Yeah. He worked his way about, technology. He worked his way about about halfway through his his check every night. Just eating and drinking. <laughs> right. And DJing from right. the bar. So, like, they were paying $200. He was paid about 100 
and then take a hundred home. You know what? That one, that is the best trade deal in all trade Dude, deal. I honest honestly, there was a time where I was like, maybe I'll just like buy an auxiliary cord and be a DJ at a bar. Like they they charge an absorbent amount of money to literally play the radio. Yeah, that's a really solid point. And and it's and right now there's and probably like, a DJ like, and the best like, part really is mad at us. But I'm sorry. If you go to almost any right. dive bar, like they're getting paid two hundred bucks to draw in forty people while they play Maroon Five all night, like get out of here. Right. And the best part is that if you go to like specific bars, you can even narrow it down. Oh, yeah, more. For sure. I'm oh again, I'm going to the country dive bar. I'm just gonna play you know, four country artists just only play Garth Brooks the entire time. I would do that. I would be the Garth Brooks DJ. I would even play. Be like, oh, is it, is it Garth Brooks night? Oh, I'm in. Yeah, Cordial G's spinning. That means it's Garth Brooks night. Beep, 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 beep. Pay me $150 to just listen to Garth Brooks. Look, sometimes DJs got it. Sometimes, pay. all the time. And then the best part is there's always some girl who thinks it's like it's cool to talk to the DJ. Like, I'm telling you, it, it was stupid. Like, there were times where I really despised him because, like, his life was too easy. I was like, you just made $120 and some girl gave you a number because you play, because you press play on your phone. Right. And it's not even like he's, he's even hiding that fact you know, in the slightest. He's in the bar next to me while we BS. And he's like, yeah, yeah, that's what happens. I'm like, cool, man. Cool. <laughs> Cool, man. Cool. Uh, but life goes on and everybody lives. Um, <laughs> that's my new saying. Life goes Is on it... and everybody lives. Uh, I mean, not everyone, everyone, but most people. Everyone. That's how all of my stories go. Oh, life goes on and everybody lives. <laughs> so you say that, and then you get accused of murder. <laughs> right, that's true. That's fair. Um, so, uh, what do we want to do here? Uh, real quick, we'll do Adventure Begins, because we got a little bit of time here. Um, you want to pull up the ad? I'll go ahead and start it. Yeah, go ahead. All right. The Adventure Begins on 1488 right here in Conroe. Support small business as the economy is trying to rebound in this COVID-returning world, it seems like, if uh, the headlines are accurate at all. You can still... Uh, the Governor's order still stands. Face masks are required to go in. They still do the curbside service if you like. Uh, but they've got comic books, gaming, uh, all the nerd stuff, toys, and all sorts of other things, collectibles, car- trading card games, board games, everything of the sort, card games, all of it. Uh, right there on 14.8, staff is knowledgeable, family-friendly. The store is well-lit. They're great people to work with. They hold my comic books. We spend our time there. Um they're trying their best to bring gaming back in a safe and uh, healthy way, so make sure to go and check it out and hang out with them. Uh, and then there's some stuff coming up, including our November right. 28th date. Oh, yes. The Nerds of Radio event starting November 28th. We will be hanging out with the special limited edition pre-release of the Digimon competitive card game. Play it here first at the Adventure Begins Comics Games and more. Yeah, almost a basically an entire two months before its official release in January. There you go. All right, Nico, what other dates we got coming up? So October 19th from 4 to 8, that's today, Miniature Mondays. So it's a free event. You come on in, 
hang out, paint, construct your miniatures. Uh, you can use, uh, you can ask to use the in-store uh, supplies and paints. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Tuesday, October 20th at 6 p.m. is the Dragon Ball Super uh, casual play event. So this is the Dragon Ball Super card game, another card game we've been playing. Um, Wednesday, October 21st from 7.30 to 10.30 is the Adventure Begins Virtual Trivia. So you can find them at twitch.tv slash the R&R nerd at 7.30. Friday, October 23rd at 7 p.m. is the Star Wars X-Wing Miniatures Casual Meetup. And Saturday, October 24th from 2 to 4 is the Pokemon Casual Meetup. And uh, the same day, October 24th from 6 to 10 is the Hammer Time Warhammer and Tabletop Warhammer Meetup. And finally, Sunday, October 25th is the Adult Adventurers League. Limited number of spots. Don't hesitate to sign up. Uh, they have uh, check it on their Facebook page and their website for details. And they're still looking for DM if anyone would like to sign up and join in. There you go. It's exciting stuff right there. Uh, we play. I play Dungeons and Dragons there on Tuesday, on every other Tuesday with a private group. Uh, Adventure Begins Comics, Games, and More is awesome. Support local. Do your best to keep the economy growing and going. Let's bring Conroe back right here on 1488. Uh, that's the Adventure Begins Comics, Games, and More. Okay. Um, so let's see. Let's. You want to, what do you, what, what do we want to do? You want? I know you want to talk about the new Netflix shows. Uh, you know what I want to do? I want to complain about Netflix for a second. Okay. Um, I really got excited on Friday afternoon. Friday evening, I came home from uh, from helping out at the pizza place, sat down, and I was like, you know what I'm going to do, man? I'm going to just veg out on some new content on Netflix. And you know what I thought was supposed to be out, and it turns out it wasn't? What? Unsolved Mysteries. There's supposed to be a second like... batch of episodes, and I thought it was oh, okay. Friday. No, no. They're holding it until Monday. Ah. Wow, that's terrible. Wh- wh- who releases stuff on Mondays? Literally nobody. Nobody. What, what, is, what is a Monday release? Yeah, that's pretty terrible, I'm not going to lie. I don't even... I, I... What? Like what, it, what? A Monday. Everything is scheduled to release on Fridays. Now I'm exaggerating. I've seen some Tuesday dates, and I've seen like a weird Wednesday or Thursday every once in a while. This was the first time I'd seen a Monday. I was uh, I was a little weirded out by that. So I didn't get to watch any unsolved mysteries. Truly a tragedy. I apologize for the true sadness that you have experienced. Yeah. Um, hey, I have a question. You know what? I'm going to Google this uh, while we talk about this. I was watching the Adam Sandler new movie on Netflix. You know, he's got like a 10-picture deal on Netflix. Oh, I had honestly no idea. And he's he did um, – it's some sort of it's – a, it's a campy Adam Sandler-esque. Netflix movie, okay? Mm. Uh, but at the end of it, there's a dedication to Cameron Boyce, who I think is the kid... Okay, here you go. 
I want I didn't under, I saw this at the very end and, and I recognized the boy but I didn't understand who Okay, so can't so at the very end of the movie, Adam Sandler reveals that Hubie Halloween is dedicated to the actor Cameron Boyce, who receives a touching tribute at the end of the film. Uh, Cameron Boyce tragically passed away on July 6, 2019 due to complications related to epilepsy. Um, he was supposed to be like this kid, this kid is the kid who usually plays Adam Sandler's son in a lot of these movies mm-hmm. or somebody's son in all these movies. And yeah, I guess he was, oh, that is kind of sad. It says he was slated to appear in Hubie Halloween, but his untimely death came just days before shooting was scheduled to begin. Wow. Only 20 years old. That's tragic. Wow, 20, he'd been in 42 roles. That's insane. He played Adam Sandler's kids in both Grown Ups movies. Ah, gotcha. Anyway, I was watching it, and then that, it's funny, it's got all the people. It's got Shaq, it's got, uh, I don't even know, like, I've forgotten nearly all of their names. Steve Buscemi, Rob Schneider, uh, oh my gosh, what is the guy's name? Kevin James. They're basically, they're all in it in some, in some way. Uh, so is that just that group? It's the whole group. Tim Meadows. It's the whole, like any of the, in, from any of the movies, Grown Ups and all that. I didn't see David Spade in it. I was going to just about to ask for Um, I didn't see David Spade and I didn't see Chris Rock anywhere. But those are the only two I didn't see in it. They were too busy doing other things. They might have been. Chris Rock actually just released a, a special, I think, on Netflix as well. A stand-up special. He's filming stuff again. And David Spade, he had a show, Lights Out, on Comedy Central. I don't know if it's still going or not. It was going last year. It was actually doing okay. Um, Which I'm, is surprising because Comedy Central, I feel like, is always all over the place. They really, really are. They are very up-down with their stuff, but... It's them and the Sci-Fi Channel. I always feel they're just like they're throwing out random stuff, and then like I was just about to say that I was that they were just only slightly more organized than Sci-Fi. <laughs> sci-Fi cancels every single show that I wind up liking, so like it's hard for me to judge what's good on Sci-Fi. Yeah, because immediately your hopes get shot down, and you'll never finish the story. Well, it's not. It's less about hopes and just more about like, <laughs> like. I feel like if I'm watching a show, most people are like I'm. I'm. I, it's very rare that I watch something that isn't at least popular. Now you know how I feel all the time. <laughs> but only sci-fi makes me feel that way, so I feel like it's a you problem. That's a sci-fi problem and a me problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty accurate. It is you and sci-fi. That is that is for show sure the issue. Um. <laughs> Only I'm glad you get such a kick way. out of that. It, I really did. I really did because it is you. Like you name stuff that nobody. I can even tell you up front, no one's gonna watch it. And then like you're like, man, they canceled my show, <laughs> and I'm real mad about it. <laughs> it's always it's always kind of funny to me. Uh. But you know what? Like, I'm going through a little bit of that right now myself. Where, like, there's certain comic books. Man, I don't want to be this guy. But I guess I'm going to be this guy on air while we're talking about it. Like, I feel like maybe my books are better than some other books that I'm seeing out right now. 
And I'm kind of like, maybe not art wise, but at least I feel like story wise are better. And I'm like, man, like, how did we get here? Like, by the way, Berserker, remember Counter Reeves and all that? Mm-hmm. They sold 40,000, pre sold 40,000 copies or whatever and made all the money. They immediately announced the delay because they're changing artists. Sick. That's what you like to see. <laughs> What's that? We we promised to pre-sell you an entire graphic novel. We're we're behind schedule. <laughs> hey, we're gonna pre-sell this entire thing. Um, by the way, we changed the artist. So, like, if you change the artist, it's not like what you even ordered is what you're getting anymore. Right. That's a good point too. Like, can you do that? On a, I mean, I don't know. I have a real. I I, I didn't think that should have been a, a Kickstarter anyway. Uh, I think I, I think it's really weird when they have Kickstarters for really big or like well, so, obviously fundable projects, right? Because this was a an established publisher, and b a Hollywood megastar. Like, there is no reason this wasn't just a go to print project, right? There's no way you wouldn't have gotten any sort of publication and be like, "Hey, Keanu Reeves is doing something," and people at least read it would have been like. Sweet, give me 20. Yeah, no, well, at the very least, the comic shops would have expressed an interest. They would have ordered it, for sure. Yeah, and it's super easy to, you know, sell anything with Keanu Reeves on it, because it's it's him. Everybody loves him. Well, I mean, because he's a great guy, so, you know. Well, maybe. Now I'm not so sure. You just kickstarted a comic book. I don't know, (laughs) you just kickstarted a comic book, too. Yeah, but I'm not... Listen, if I had Keanu Reeves money, I would not be kickstarting a comic book. If I was Keanu Reeves, I would just make a YouTube video with a link to my website where I'm selling it. Yeah, you know, that's a fair point. Go on my Twitter and be like, hey, I'm making a comic book. Do you want it? And then everyone would be like, oh my god, it's Keanu Reeves, I want it. Here's the thing, at least fifteen to 30,000 people would want it, which puts them in the top 150 in comic books. Yeah, because there's literally, like, nothing... No one's the comic book industry is like it's a lot smaller. Becomes it's so small. Yeah, it's a lot smaller than it used to be. So this idea that he wouldn't have been competitive without a Kickstarter, I don't, I don't buy that. What they kickstarted, they probably could have made in sales on day one. Well, and here's the other thing: like I know a lot of the people involved in the editorial side of that. Uh, Morgan Perry, she she came to Space Cadets for Space Cadets convention like two three years ago we got a chance to talk for a little while she's a smart girl she knows tons about comic books um but like the way they explained it in an interview where they were excited that this was going to lead to more sales for stores and blah 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 like i didn't understand it like it doesn't sound it didn't doesn't sound like a, like a growth model to me but mm-hmm. i don't know and now they've already changed artists and you're right like that's listen an artist was part of the package like yeah, know. artist is a big deal. I don't know. Now they went and got a big name artist. They hired a guy named Ron Garney who's drawn who draws a brilliant Wolverine, so it's probably gonna be great art. But it's already a bad sign. Like you had artist A named and then oh, you sold enough that you could afford artist B? Is that what happened? Like that's not good either. Yeah. Because you're definitely throwing one guy by the wayside. Right, no, for sure. Um, just a weird it's just a weird combination of events I think it, it really was you know what we just did we did a scary episode of Nerd Blood Radio without any scary stories just scary news 
it's only scary for the scary boys. <laughs> um, thank you for listening, everybody. We're going to kind of take a break here. When we come back, we're going to play the interview. So this will be the last time you hear me talking. I do want to thank everybody for hanging out and listening today. Uh, on behalf of Little Brother Nico, the adventure begins on myself. The same Nerd Thug time, same Nerd Thug channel. Fight for power, Black Lives Matter, wash your hands, support support local, stay clean, stay safe, look out, like, COVID's resurging, everybody needs to be careful, wear their masks, like, do the things we were doing a couple months ago when it was going away. We, I think we kind of let our guard down, I think that's what's going to hurt us here. Yep. Um, but yeah, so when we come back, we're going to have some interviews from some Bigfoot experts. Uh, some real life monster hunters. I... <laughs> I this this interview with Lyle Blackburn, I don't know, I don't remember what's on the interview, but talking to him behind the scenes before we started, when he explained that he makes movies, he's in a rock band, and he hunts Bigfoot, like... I've been living the wrong life my whole life. Yeah, Lyle Blackburn, I, I might wish I was Lyle Blackburn. Um, <laughs> other than the name Lyle, everything else about him seems really cool. Uh, Alright, yeah. <laughs> all that being said, I'm gonna jump out, when we come back, we got the interviews coming up. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great Monday. We'll see you on Thursday for sports when we talk about the Texans going for two when they absolutely didn't need to and they wind up losing the game. Um, And then we'll see you on Friday at 2 p.m. as well. All right, guys. Have a good one. Later. The Adventure Begins Comics, Games, and More is open on 1488 at 525 Woodland Square Boulevard. With comics, games, and everything nerd-related, The Adventure Begins is the one-stop nerd shop. On Saturdays, they alternate between having Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon. And coming up, they also have cosplay crafting and trivia nights and BYOB nights. They're currently offering a 10% discount for limited time, which will be valid for as long as you grab your books every month. Hey, Conros, this is Corey TLG of Nerd Thug Radio, hanging out here, just enjoying my quarantine time at home, and I hope everyone else is doing the same, social distancing and minding their manners and listening to the orders while we get all this health stuff, health crisis straightened out and get this pandemic under control. I hope everyone's doing their part to flatten the curve, but doing their part also means supporting small businesses. Local businesses here in Conroe, uh, restaurants, things of that nature that have been able to stay open, they require the support of their community, so takeouts. Uh, is a good option to do so reach out to those places order some takeout food if you can afford it and if it's reasonable uh i'm not asking anyone to risk their health but the community has always relied on itself to support itself and this is one of those times where as conroe we can stand up together and take care of small businesses and entrepreneurs who've been taking care of us this whole time helping montgomery county grow into one of the fastest growing counties in all of america uh thank you very much and stay safe and stay tuned for more nerd thug radio this is Rudy Townjanovich, and welcome to Nerd Thug Radio. All right, this is Corey DLG, and we're back here with Nerd Thug Radio, and we're at the Southeast Texas Bigfoot Conference, the inaugural Southeast Texas Bigfoot. you got to say that, because there's going to be one next year now. I'm here with Lyle Blackburn, filmmaker, writer, producer. Did I get it all right? That's the most of it, yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of things to list, but that, that sums it up. What? Which one do you want? Like, which one do you brag with when, like, you're, you see someone and you're like, "Hey, I want them to know this." <laughs> it depends on who I'm talking to or what I want them. You know, sometimes, what do you do for a living? I'm a monster hunter. You know, <laughs> it, it sounds cool. People are like, "What? Yeah." And then you have to explain all this stuff. But essentially, I, I look at myself more as an author. You know, I started this by researching and writing books, and that's what got me on television shows and got me involved in 
in the uh, documentary films and stuff. So I call myself an author, but uh. oh yeah, Monster Hunter would be the business card. That's that's a good one. Yeah. Um, kind of walk us through kind of the career a little bit for those who aren't familiar with you. You mentioned everything a little bit. What which one? In what order did it all kind of happen for you? Uh, well, I spent most of my life as a musician. I played in various bands and did a lot of touring and, and things like that. And all the while, I've been a fan of cryptozoology subjects, read a lot of books, you know, and of course, more and more TV shows started coming on. And uh, some by some strange thing, I've always wanted to write a book, and I thought, well, what would I write a book about? I, and I always loved the story of The Legend of Boggy Creek, which is an old... 70s film made about a Sasquatch-like creature in southern Arkansas. So one thing led to another, and I ended up writing a book that came out called The Beast of Boggy Creek. So it all really started there. Uh, the book was well-received. It was selling well, and then uh, television shows that were starting to cover these things wanted me on there. I was on Finding Bigfoot and Monsters and Mysteries in America, and I thought, okay, this is good. Maybe I'll continue this. So you know, I wrote another book, uh, my second book, Lizard Man, and kind of continued it there, and that just sort of has branched out, like I said, with uh, they made a documentary, Be uh, The Boggy Creek Monster, which is sort of my book brought to film, and uh, it just seems like a steady flow of, of, of jug uh, really a juggling match between you know films and books and, and television shows and whatever. We call that the Stephen King model there, right, where you write a book, and then they're like, hey, we'll buy the movie from you, just over and over and over again. And eventually what uh, Lou Diamond Phillips is, is you in the movie. Exactly. I mean, we all want to, you know, be Stephen King and sell that many books. So, yeah, that is the template you would shoot for if you were a writer. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. So, Legend of Boggy Creek, and then I also saw over there, the was it the Rise of the Mothman? Uh, the Mothman of Point Pleasant. That's, a docu that's one of the latest documentaries I was involved in uh, that followed the... Uh, Boggy Creek Monster, which I got involved with this company called Small Town Monsters uh, out of Ohio, and they make a series of these very intelligently well-produced documentaries on these subjects. So after we did uh, Boggy Creek Monster, like, yeah, this is a great team-up. Uh, I narrated Boggy Creek, so they wanted me to narr narrate uh, the Mothman of Point Pleasant, and I was, I was a co-writer, so uh, you know, we just continued our film relationship there. Right on, right on. So you got a good look going for you here. You look, you look the part of a monster hunter. Like if you told someone that, they wouldn't go no, 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 no. So like, what's kind of the inspirations? Where did it, where did it all start for you with kind of the obsession with monsters and, and the idea of all that? Uh, literally as far back as I can remember. I mean, I can remember being really young and watching uh, horror movies on TV or TV series. Uh, and just being attracted to everything spooky and monstrous, vampires, werewolves, and all that. And at some point when I saw the Patterson-Gimlin film, the famous Bigfoot film, that really tripped me out because I'm thinking, okay, I know Frankenstein, it's, it's an actor, it's this, but you tell, you're telling me that there could be this huge ape-like creature walking in the woods? I'd been hunting with my father ever since I could walk, and we had been in woods, you know, hunting in Texas, and... Uh, East Texas and been up to Arkansas and camps on new woods very well and that really just captivated me that there quote unquote a, a monster could be you know alive and living among us and that that fascination has always been with me interesting interesting so what's kind of the one thing you always want people to take away from your stories and uh, your kind of uh, the, the, the stories and journeys you go on 
Well, I, I, I like to see myself as identifying with people who are both quote-unquote believers and also people who are skeptics. You know, I'm not trying to sell people on Bigfoot. I'm not trying to prove Bigfoot or other cryptids exist. I just like to research and tell the stories in a journalistic, you know, and engaging manner and let people decide for themselves. I try to, you know, discern the facts from the urban legends and things and just offer all of it up to the reader in an engaging way, of course. Uh, so give Are you trying to tell me Bigfoot doesn't have superpowers? Because I'm pretty sure he's got superpowers. Well, that may be true. Uh, you know, he has remained elusive. These creatures, I should say, have remained miraculously elusive. You know, it's improbable but not impossible. So, you know, it's an ongoing mystery that fascinates, you know, just like me all my life. Look at all these people here. They're just as fascinated, and some of them since childhood. That's right. We're here at uh, the Southeast Texas Bigfoot uh, Convention, the inaugural. Over 700 people so far walking through the door. There's going to be more. They're going to do this again next year. So you missed it this time by the time you hear this, but mark your calendars because next year it's going to be even bigger. Uh, we want to thank you again, Lyle. appreciate you having you on. Uh, anything you want to kind of plug right before you go? No, I really appreciate you having me on. And, yeah, this, this has been a great turnout. You know, people can scoff at Bigfoot all they want, but there were 700 people that showed up for a first-time event. You know, in an area, it's a great area because there's a lot of sightings that have occurred here. And, you know, hopefully next year it will be even more people because this is a really good kickoff. So, uh, you know, if you want more information about me, hit my website at lyleblackburn.com and uh, drop me a line. All right, thank you, Lyle. This is Corey DLG of Nerd Thug Radio. We're out here at the Southeast Texas Bigfoot Conference, the inaugural Southeast Texas. And so we're interviewing some people and having some fun out here. And we are here with Nick Redfern, who just gave an awesome speech about the UK cryptozoology. Uh, I think it's a fair summary of that. Uh, Nick, um, how did you kind of wind up here? Um, well, I moved to the U.S. about 18 years ago. And... Um did the whole immigration thing, or emigration, whichever one it is. And um, I've always had an interest in cryptozoology. So um, having sort of done a lot of that in the UK, looking for the UK's big cats, Nessie, things like that, it was just an easy transformation to, to go from the UK to do that here as well. So I do a lot of Bigfoot investigations here, um, things like lake monsters also, and a lot of traveling around the US. and. Um, and lecturing, which is what's brought me today to the uh, to the conference. Yeah, it seems like you're giving yourself a pretty sweet gig here. Uh, are this are these the books that you that I've seen that you've written and that you're selling today? Are those fictional stories? Are those stories of your investigations? What what are those? Yeah, they're, they're basically I I write my books in two ways. Some of them I just write from the perspective of the facts, and then other ones I write them in sort of like a diary form of you know what actually happened on the expedition. Because if you're writing about say Roswell. You're just relating like a historical event, um, so you just write that in that style. But if you're writing about, you know, the day you were, or the you went on a week's expedition into the Pacific Northwest woods, I, I would write that from the perspective of how it happened. You know, I jumped into the car at midnight, dark and stormy night, hit the road in search of Bigfoot. Yeah, you know, people kind of like that um, approach where they can kind of go with you on the story. You know. That's interesting. That's a good, that's a kind of a cool take on that. Uh, so in your speech today, you were talking about like different uh, kind of cryptozoological elements that are encountered in the UK. Uh, and we were just kind of warming up and talking with you here, kind of loosening up. You mentioned that there's a lot of things, a lot of cases you investigate that wind up being debunked, but still kind of feel the, the search for these other creatures. 
Yeah, and I think it's important when you're looking into something that's so controversial as something like Bigfoot, never mind in the US, but in the UK as well, wild men reports, big cats, lake monsters, giant worms. I think, you know, we need to have to be grounded, but not dismissive of these cases. And I think also we need to kind of look at things from the perspective of how folklore and mythology and legend develop and how you very often find that at the core of a legend or a myth there generally is a, a real um, incident or event or phenomenon. And Obviously William Wallace really did blow fire and was seven feet tall. That's, <laughs> that's clearly true. But, you know, it's, it's one of these things where when you're dealing with controversial things you have to tread carefully. But for me the good thing is that, you know, I've spoken to so many very, very credible witnesses with very credible backgrounds who've seen everything from lake monsters, Bigfoot, Chupacabra, dogmen, all sorts of weird creatures. People who've got nothing to, you know, no reason to lie. Um, and some cases, you know, it could actually have an adverse effect on them, particularly in re relation to their careers. I mean, I've, in I've interviewed a number of police officers who shared their reports of Bigfoot sightings. I mean, you think about it, the cops are out at night patrolling the roads, you know, and of the four or five cops I've interviewed, none of them would go on the record, and basically their line was the same, that, you know, I'm a cop, if I'm sort of asked to, you know, stand up in court to, in one particular case, and the defense says, well, you know, this is the cop who sees Bigfoot, it could collapse the case. That's actually how far ahead, you know, they think about these kind of things, you know, should I say anything because of what I do, or, or shouldn't I, you know. There was, a, there was a show on the Sci-Fi Channel for a while, uh, Paranormal Witness, that, uh, that I, I was addicted to because they did really good reenactments, and they did the Fire in the Sky story. And I don't know if you're familiar with that one. It's the alien abduction, I believe, in is it New Mexico or is it? No, it was Arizona. It was Arizona? Okay. Uh, and the thing that was intriguing to me is when they interviewed those people again, they just felt so believable. That's kind of the thing that kind of makes me believe in some of these more far-fetched concepts is the, the eyewitnesses you don't want to, they don't feel like they're lying. Yeah. Well, yeah, the case you're talking about, um, Travis Walton case from 1975, who's abducted and gone for like a week. I mean, I actually know uh, Travis. I got to know him probably about three or four years ago for the first time I met him. And he's just a down-to-earth guy. You know, he, if he doesn't know something, he'll say, I don't know. You know, people might say, you know, what color was the UFO? I don't know, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. He doesn't, you know, he do, he's not somebody who kind of expands on things or, or feels obligated to answer yeah. the things he doesn't yeah he doesn't change his story tells it as he remembers it and if you don't like it well that's how it goes you know he's, he's not like there to convince you he's there to tell you what what he saw or what he experienced and to his credit you know as i said he's he, he just stays with what he knows he doesn't like to speculate and i think that's a good way to do it you know now, there's, there's over 600 people here today, I believe is what they said at the introduction today. That's a, uh, we, we didn't really know what to expect, this being the first one, um, and kind of an odd topic. I mean, I think it's fair to say if someone says, hey, I'm throwing a Bigfoot convention, you don't know what you're going to get until you see it. Um, kind of getting out of this interview, what do you want, what's the one thing you want people to know from your perspective? Well, I, I would like people to think that just because you're interested in Bigfoot, you're not some crazy person who you know, needs a straight jacket or psychiatric help, you know. There, there is, I, I think there's this kind of angle that where a certain percentage of the population think if you're into Bigfoot, you know, you're, 
45 living in mom's basement. <laughs> you know, you've never had a girlfriend. Um, and you're a little bit, you know, off kind of thing. Now, now people can't see you. Uh, we're going to try and put a picture up. But you look like a cool guy, Misfits t-shirt, leather jacket. Yeah. I, I don't think mom lets you stay at home anymore. No, I, no. I've got a nice little apartment in Arlington. And, um, but, yeah, joking aside, I mean, there is this angle that people do have of people who investigate weird things. They, they think you're not just weird in a cool way. They just think you're weird, weird, you know. Um, so I'd like people to think that what, what I try and do with my books is write them in sort of a journalistic approach because my, my background's in journalism. Okay. So I would, I would like people to realize that most of us in the field you know if you write in a book or an article you write it in the same way the journalists would report a murder in a local town you collect the facts you interview the witnesses you get backup data backup sources and then you turn it into a story rather than just you know salivating over the latest bigfoot report or whatever and getting overexcited so so i think you know just demonstrate to people we're normal people with a a slightly abnormal interest. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for your time, Nick, and I uh, appreciate you coming out here all the way down to Huntsville. That, did you have to look it up on a map? Like, did you know where we were? Um, yeah, we actually did, we drove down, but we uh, we did actually have to uh, <laughs> get the directions. But I know pretty much it was all the way down 45. There so, you go. yeah. There you go. Well, thank you for your time, Nick. Have a good convention. Hi, right, guys. Right. We're back here at uh, Nerd Thug Radio. I'm Joey Savage. We are at the first inaugural there you go. Southeast Texas Bigfoot Convention held here in Huntsville. Walker County Fairgrounds. Uh, I'm talking now with the guy, Russell Miller, who put this whole thing together. Um, real quick, uh, where'd this idea come from, um, and, and what prompted this? About six or eight years ago, we was out in uh, a part of the big ticket, and we, can, we got what you can only call, got bluff charged. Something was crashing through the brush and the trees, coming after us, and uh, we never seen something but we, it was really a lot of commotion going on. It was coming through the, the woods. And I started talking to some people around that area, and they said, oh, that was just old mossy back. And I said, what is that? And he said, that's what they call the Bigfoot around here. It's over there in Saratoga. And so we started doing some more research, and, yeah, there's a whole lot of sightings around them. So we started thinking, well, that's cool. Let's, you know, check out other places. And the Sam Houston National Forest is chock full of them. If you Google Bigfoot sightings, Sam Houston National Forest, it goes back 30 to 40 years of sightings. There's bunches of them. It's 160,000 acres covering four counties, and there's all kind of stuff out there. Which is something that really kind of surprised me. Uh, you know, we, we're pretty well up on you know, sci-fi type stuff, uh, but Bigfoot you hear about, usually it's like California. You don't think here in Texas the Pacific Northwest. that there, yeah, that there's, uh, there's Bigfoot sightings. So uh, you guys have been tracking the Bigfoot, uh, looking for that stuff. What gave you the idea to throw this big convention on? We've been to a couple of conventions. Uh, a friend of mine, Craig, he puts one on every year up in uh, Jefferson, Texas, in October. And we go up there, and we visit with all the people, and it's, it's cool to hang out with the like-minded people. People you don't have to worry about, you know, talking to you like you're crazy, you know, something. And, and we just get along, and we share stories and uh, pictures and videos and stuff that we've got. And we haven't had one around here. And I was telling my wife last year, I said, you know, we ought to try to put one on. And some of the ones we have been to, they get to the point where they got to turn people away at the door because the venue's not big enough. Well, we found this place, and it holds 1,100 people. 
And I said, well, shoot, let's go for it. And uh, I'm thinking we've probably got between seven and 800 in here today. So it's beyond what we imagine. And I promise you, we will be back. This is going to be a yearly thing. Yeah, it's awesome. You know, we, I, I found, my wife actually found the, um, the listing or, or stumbled across it. And so we looked into it. It was like, oh, my gosh, we got to get a part of this because it's a big stuff that the three of us are really into. But, yeah, coming up here, we weren't really expecting, like, you, you know what to expect. It's the first one. Um, and when they had first announced over 600 people, it was just like, oh, my goodness. Like, it's, like you said, it's a really good feeling. You're being in this huge facility with like-minded people uh, and just kind of sharing stories. Um, so going into today, you've got all these speakers here. What's the one thing, like, you're lo- what's the one speaker you're looking to hear? I want to hear uh, Cliff and Bobo. I've heard uh, all the other speakers at different conferences, but I've never been around uh, one that had Cliff and Bobo from the Animal Planets Finding Bigfoot. And uh, they're going to be up here pretty soon, and I want to listen to what they have to say. And there should be a, a real good, a real good conference, especially with them guys. How much work went into actually getting this together? So you said you and your wife kind of put this thing together. Um, how many other people did you have to bring in, and like, what was the difficulty level getting all these speakers from around you know the country basically to come to this convention? Uh, a lot of that was all done online. Me and my wife just did that over the past few months getting everybody lined up, but whenever it come down to moving all the chairs and the tables and everything, I had to call in the whole family, the son-in-laws, the daughter-in-laws, the sons, the daughters, and everybody's here. And luckily we have about about eight or ten close friends of ours that's into this as well, and they're out here all helping out. So, so last thing before we get out of here, the family affair that put together this Bigfoot convention, he said they're going to do more, so be on the lookout. We'll keep posting it um, so that next year, I mean, if this is this year, next year is going to be twice as big, uh, twice as many speakers. It might be a three-day event. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, before you get out of here, Russell, any last things you want to say to anybody out there who's interested in the Bigfoot phenomena? Like I said, Google Bigfoot sightings, Sam Houston National Forest, and look at all the stuff that you've seen out there that's been seen and heard. And just talking to the people around here in Huntsville, if somebody hasn't had an experience, they know somebody who has. All right, Russell, appreciate it, and we'll talk to you next time.